Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. Hope you guys are having a great week. I know I am. Uh, it's been an eventful couple weeks for me since our last episode of the podcast. I had a emergency appendectomy, had my appendix removed, uh, shot two weddings the following week back to back, which I don't think I was really supposed to be doing. Um, but missed my first ever wedding uh, two days after my surgery. Uh, luckily, uh, Dustin Stelly and Andrew Neese were able to cover for me. Two great videographers who stepped in and and uh, and made that wedding happen for me. So uh, shout out to them. Really appreciate them uh, helping me out. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an exhausting two weeks of recovery and just trying to get back to normal. I uh, got a wedding this weekend and then one up in uh, Steamboat Springs next weekend. So uh, the uh, the wedding train is rolling. Um, but today I want to really just dive into this episode of the Wedding Videography School podcast because uh, today I have Sam Fregonese uh, joining me and uh, it's it's awesome. I, I love this guy's work. Check him out on YouTube. Sam is an international wedding videographer uh, from Australia, and uh, he's probably best known for shooting test videos, I'd say, at this point, um, of a bunch of different cameras online. And when I, uh, I, I found him by looking for like test videos of the Canon 1DX Mark II a while back. And uh, yeah, one of his videos was one of the first ones to pop up and they're just awesome. So go, go check him out. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with him. We're gonna talk about shooting weddings with red cameras, right? So if you've ever shot about if you've ever, if you've ever shot about, if you've ever thought about shooting a wedding in 8K or on a red camera, uh, you don't want to miss this episode. It's it's super interesting, and I love Sam's approach. And uh, hopefully, you guys glean some knowledge from it. So, enjoy my conversation with Sam. Hey Sam, hey buddy, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show today. I I really appreciate your time. No worries. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen or seen any of Sam's work, you can find him on uh, YouTube. And I, Sam, I first stumbled across your stuff when I was looking for footage of the 1DX Mark II, just some sample footage. Um, and I came across uh, your your work. You did some like videos with some models. Um, the one I'm thinking of, I think the girl's name is Paige. Um, yeah. and I think that video blew up pretty well. And it's just like a, it's just like a test video of like some of the slow motion capability of the one DX Mark II. Um, so yeah, if you guys haven't seen that, make sure you, uh, Google Sam Fregonese. I think I said it right. And, yeah, that's uh, pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and check that out. But Sam, tell me a little bit about how you got started, uh, shooting weddings. Yeah. So weddings, um, I've basically just done weddings since the start of like when I got into filmmaking and I didn't really mean to get into weddings and like want to stay there, but that's kind of how it ended up happening. Um, so I used to actually edit Call of Duty montages um, back when I was like 15, uh, 14, 15. And I was like, damn, how do I turn this into a job? And kind of just went from there. 
picked up a camera, started shooting just random high school events. And then eventually down the road, um, my sister met someone at a club and then he let me shoot a wedding with him. And then just from there, I just picked up more weddings, started editing weddings. And then just from there, just built and didn't really look back from there. Awesome, man. What was, what was the camera that you first started out with? So I've gone through so many cameras, but my first one ever was actually a 600D. Um, yeah. So from Canon from the start. And that camera actually can get some nice images if you light it. And yeah, looking back at stuff, I'm like, damn, this is actually all right. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I hear that a lot from people. Like sometimes people obsess over cameras and stuff. And I'm not really one of those people. I mean, I will say I've been a little obsessive over the the black magic pocket cinema camera lately but yeah. honestly there's so many good cameras out there that if you really just take the time to get to get to know the camera and its limitations you can pretty much make most any camera look pretty sure. good so yeah I'm a, I'm a camera nerd i look way into the specs way too much but 100 percent, like what you just said it's the more you use it like i'm so comfortable using canon and around canon if you put a sony in my hand i can use it i just don't really like it because i'm not as used to it as like a canon and it's just that personal preference of like oh, i've used this brand for so long i know where all the buttons are i know how to work it in post um it's yeah more using the gear rather than just like a spec sheet yeah and so it's funny i i totally i totally get what you're saying um I feel the same way about Panasonic. You put a Panasonic near me and I'm like, I don't really like, I get yeah. what it's supposed to do, but I don't know how to make it do those things. Yeah. Uh, well, my first video, you mentioned the page one. The first one that actually blew up was actually the old GH4 video. Um, and that camera is still awesome. Like I, I'm thinking about just picking up cause they're so cheap now. I was like, Oh, if I want to just like get a couple B cams for my wedding kit, like they're still awesome cameras. They got slow-mo, they got 4k. If they're just B cameras, like, and I know how to use it, I'm comfortable around that camera, like, why not? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm at the stage just thinking of, like, some, some B cams to flesh out a wedding kit again. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah, and now you're shooting on RED, right? Yeah, so I originally bought the Raven and hated it. I actually made a YouTube video about that. Um, and everyone's like, yeah, you're a dickhead. Don't <laughs> use don't use REDs for weddings. Um and then I was like, yeah, fair enough, and sold that and went to the Canon 1Ds and then eventually just swapped back to red and now I'm on the Epic W. So, yeah, 8K for weddings, 8K resolution, definitely overkill, not really worth it. Yeah, for sure. I think most people are thinking, like, that is crazy overkill. But, I mean, I really – I enjoy – there's a part of me that's, like, super – uh, I guess envious about like, oh man, that dude's shooting 8K because he just wants the best, right? You want the best for your clients. You want the best for you. It's kind of like, hey, I shoot weddings. And like, there's kind of like an ego thing about it too, I think. Which oh, is 100%. Like, yeah. I, I shoot my weddings in 8K. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not really the fact that it's like, oh, I just want this to be like, oh, I'm shooting red. It's kind of like, I want it because I can tell the difference. So, like, I posted in one of the wedding forums, like, oh, I shot this on the red, blah, blah, And everyone was, like, hating on it. And, like, whenever you post something with red, when it's, like, weddings or something like that, those videos don't really do too well. And they were like, oh, clients don't even notice. They're 
it's for Instagram, it's on an iPhone. And I totally agree. It's clients will never notice, but it was the fact that I could notice and I wanted to shoot on a better camera and I wanted to appreciate what I'm doing. Like I'm young right now. I had this like massive conversation with someone about this actually yesterday. And it's like, I'm at the point where it's like, I don't, it's more, I want to make stuff I'm proud of. It's like not, it's not just like, yeah, a business. It's like, yeah, pump out wedding, pump out wedding. It's like, I actually want to make films that I'm proud of and happy to be like, yeah, this is what I do. Like super proud of it. Super happy with this outcome. It's more like that for me at this point. Yeah. I, I totally get that. And I respect that a lot. And just the people who are willing to say, yeah, man, I'm just kind of a perfectionist. I just want the best. Uh, and I just want to be proud of what I'm doing. Uh, I actually, I have a lot of respect for that. Even if maybe shooting on a red for a wedding is probably a little overkill. It's, it's still okay in my book. So, um, yeah. So and I was also just sick of using monopods and the red, let me go handheld with the weight of it. Yeah. So the weight of it is now, are you doing handheld, um, just like regular, regular speed or are you doing all slow motion when you're going handheld? Um, so the way I shoot now is I'll shoot, um, all the preps and the photo shoot in slow-mo, um, handheld, which like I'm, I'm wanting to cut back and use less slow-mo and go back to 24 P which you can totally do handheld on the red. Cause lately I've just been feeling like slow-mo is just kind of like a hack to shooting weddings. It's just like so much easier, so much less to think about. It's like, you can just hit record, hit stop whenever you want. Whereas 24 P you actually have to hold your shots. You have to kind of count out like five seconds in your head. You actually have to be more alert and make sure you're recording for the right amount of time. You have to kind of keep it a bit steadier. Where slow-mo it's like, you can, be shaking and because it's slow-mo it still ends up fine so i'm kind of getting a bit sick of like it's like i kind of want the challenge of going back to 24p but we'll get there slowly yeah it's funny man i've been feeling the same way of like i've been abusing slow motion for so long yeah that's exactly uh, it <laughs> that i'm like you know it does make a ton of sense for weddings because sometimes you only have that shot that you need for yeah, like five exactly. seconds like you might just get a, or, like two seconds. Yeah, one, one second, I mean. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that turns into a long enough clip. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is like once you do it heaps, it's kind of just like ends up feeling cookie cutter almost. And like I just kind of want to go back to what I started, which was 5Ds and 5D3 didn't do slow-mo. So I kind of want to end up back with that style. But once you build a portfolio of having – slow-mo in every film it's like you can't just instantly jump back you kind of have to slowly cut back on how much slow-mo you use right yeah that's that's actually what i'm in the middle of doing right now and it's it's hard man you forget how hard it is to just shoot yeah exactly. frames per second and hope that you get a long enough shot and hope that yeah. the, the parents are smiling for a second longer than they normally would or whatever but yeah, man, it's it's a challenge, and I think that's part of what's what's fun about it. So tell me how, like, so I think most people who are listening to this are like, okay, so this dude shoots weddings on a red, and, how, like, how did he afford this camera, and does he have more than one, and does he just shoot single cam? Like, tell us about that. Yeah, so, um, well, I've been doing this for, like, six years now, um, and you know just over that time you slowly build up gear and i was at the point of having three 1ds which is 
basically the equivalent to a red. Um, so like over the years, like swapping camera systems, building up, and then eventually being on three one Ds, I eventually sold them, and then that's how I afforded the red. Um, and like right now, I only own the the one camera, and that's why I'm talking about um, what B cams I could possibly get. So right now, I just hire people with second cameras. Um, depending on the package as well, like I have a couple of friends with reds, so I'll hire them if it's kind of more of a higher end wedding. Um, and we shoot all the preps on reds as well as having just like some random B cameras for the long forms, like the ceremony, the speeches, uh, for like a lower budget kind of wedding. Like if they just want a highlight, it'll just be one camera handheld all day. If they want those longer forms, like the ceremony and speeches, um, but still towards the, like the mid range, it could just be me and like a friend who just comes out to help with the ceremony and those long forms. But the preps will be just by myself on the red. Awesome. Yeah, that makes it that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So right now it's just at the point where I'm just hiring whatever I need for the package. Um, whereas when I was on the 1Ds, like I would hire people and just tell them not to bring gear because I own all the gear. But now it's like, oh, I only own the one camera. I actually need to hire people with the right gear for me. For sure. Tell me, tell me a little bit about your shooting style because um, I know – you know, I don't want to dominate this conversation about red talk and stuff, but when you're shooting <laughs> with like a heavier camera or you're shooting 8K, like I feel like that's going to have to change kind of your shooting style. And so tell me a little bit about your approach to shooting weddings versus maybe uh, a lot How of other people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like obviously most people are used to like the monopod and the camera on the monopod or handheld with IBIS. Um Multi-camera for ceremony speeches, like that's what I started with, the monopod with the 1Ds and I got sick of monopod but with them not having IBIS, it was hard to do like handheld, especially 24P. Uh, with the red, like people have so many misconceptions about post-production for it and shooting with it. The, the red I have, like the new models are actually so small when you don't build them out. The batteries, yes, they go... Like, they run out super quickly. Like, you get an hour per battery. So, I take six, which is enough for the day. Like, I'll use one for groom prep, one for bride prep, one for ceremony, one for photo shoot, and then one for reception. And I might charge another one if I need it. Like, it's literally one per section of the day, battery-wise. Um, and I'll just have one 480 gig card in the red, and that'll be enough for the whole day. So, it's actually not that demanding in like shooting wise and like just rocking like think of how photographers shoot they just rock up with a camera they don't have to set up um like monopods or they can just like literally rock up with the camera in hand and like that's what kind of made me want to make the switch like i just saw them all the time and was like damn how easy would it be just to like one camera 35 85 rock up jump out the car have it in your lap like it's just so much easier you don't have to mess around with all the stabilization and stuff like that i hope that kind of answered it yeah, yeah. <laughs> no that, that was perfect and for those of you who don't know what ibis is it's in body uh image stabilization right i think I yeah got that right the, the red doesn't have that either but just because it's super heavy like full metal construction just because of how heavy it is, it's you don't get the micro jitter shake. You just get like nice handheld shake. Yeah, and 
Yeah, and for those who don't know, I'm almost positive Red is using a uh, global shutter, right? It's not just uh, CMOS or whatever. I think it's still rolling. Oh, is but, it? Okay. Um, but it's like Red a super fast it... one then. Like it's it's like yeah. it's processing so fast that it doesn't matter that it's a rolling shutter. Yeah. Like um, with the old 1Ds and stuff, I used to crank the shutter. Like I never used to use um, ND filters or anything like that. But the Reds actually made me more conscious of doing that for motion blur purposes. Because when you do handheld, like having the right amount of motion blur actually makes it a lot easier to watch and a lot more cinematic. And I keep the shutter angle because the Reds shutter angle at 180. So when I go between different frame rates, the shutter speed always stays double the frame rate. Yep. So it's super easy to go between slow-mo and real-time and um, you just use the variable ND to dial in your exposure. Yeah, I'm, I'm fi- I finally have that feature on the uh, Pocket Cinema camera, yeah. so I'm, I'm so, like super excited about it. Yeah, I basically, and you'd probably be the same now. You just, I literally leave the red at the native ISO. I keep the shutter at 180 degrees and then I have my manual lenses, my manual aperture lenses, and a VND on the front, and I just use the aperture now and the VND to do my exposure, and it just makes it very easy. Very cool. How much are you like? Well, how much footage are you shooting, and like, what what do your brides expect from you? Are they expecting like the full ceremony, or just a, like a highlight video, or what is it that you you give to them? Yes. So, like I said, different packages they get different things. Um, I have a very minimal style of shooting. Like I shoot what I need in the edit and that's why I have a really quick post-production edit time. Like I can edit highlights very quickly in comparison to most people. And it's mainly due just because of how much I shoot. Like it's, I would probably say 90% of my footage actually ends up in the highlight. Um, like in terms of like the four second clips of like what I'm actually shooting anything like the long 30 minute like hot ceremony and stuff like that like obviously that's going to be not all in there but in terms of like what i'm actually shooting myself it's probably 90 percent going to make the highlight yeah that man that it's so crazy like i'm really envious but like i think i'm too scared to shoot that little like i'm still yeah. i'm still 10 years into this like overshooting still yeah uh just because i'm like i think the couple is gonna ask me if i have this shot and i want to make sure i have it so i don't have to tell them i don't (laughs) yeah i mean i barely had couples message me being like do you have this um and like the, the main thing is like letting them know in the meeting before like just managing their expectations so i tell them like hey like the highlight is like basically what you've seen on my website if you guys want the longer ceremony and you want to see more stuff like the ceremony is basically from when you walk in to when you walk out. All of that stuff will be included if you book like the full-length ceremony. Same with speeches. Everything else kind of makes the highlight. So like if you cut the cake, you'll see a cake cutting in the thing. Um, it's just like all the major events that you guys do will be in the highlight. But if you want to watch it in full, like if you want your first dance, you have to tell me prior so I can make sure that we're covering it all. Yeah. And well, then they kind of understand that oh, we didn't actually request like a full, like I do a lot of Greek weddings and they do all the big traditional circle dances. And I'm like, yeah, if you want that in full, let me know now so we can cover it like in full. Otherwise, we'll get shots of it, of course, and you'll see them in the highlight, but you won't have like the 30-minute circle dance that you guys do. Yeah, how would, how long or how much, 
maybe you don't have this information off the top of your head, but like per project, like how, what's, what do you think your storage allotment per project is for like file sizes? So yeah, typically like I just backed up a wedding yesterday actually, so I can tell you off the top of my head, my red angle was 420 gigs from all day. Um, and that was shooting that I was actually borrowing my friend's Raven cause my reds currently getting fixed. Um, so that was 4.5 K raw. Um, and that was 420 gigs. I borrowed my friend's one DC as a second angle and that was 120 gigs. And then my H six recorder was like two gigs of audio. And then my drone was like 10 gigs of drone footage. Um, so I just did two cameras with the drone and audio and it, yeah, it was about, 500, 600 gigs in total. Um, in comparison, like before that, when I was shooting three 1Ds, my normal highlight size for full 4K on 1DX and two 1DCs was like 1.8 terabytes. So the red is actually <laughs> a lot less yeah. than 1D. And yeah. that's, that's kind of what pushed me to make the swap because my computer can handle 8K raw, but it can't handle 4K Canon motion JPEG. So I was just like, damn. Yeah, I I was not a fan of the motion JPEG decision at all. I don't think yeah. anybody is, but I have a feeling they're gonna. <clears throat> I have a feeling they're gonna get rid of that in the next uh, iteration Hopefully. of that camera. So. I'd probably yeah definitely um, think about Canon again. What, what drone are you mixing with your red footage? Um, right now I have the Phantom Four Pro Plus, so it's just the Phantom Four Pro, but it's got the built-in screen, so I don't have to plug my phone in. Um, so it does 4K 60P. It's yeah, it's really good sensor. I'm trying to sell it now, actually though. It's just so big, and I've been traveling a lot lately, so I just don't want to have to deal with traveling with it. And the Mavic 2 image is like pretty comparable. It just doesn't do slow mo. So I'll probably just try and pick up a Mavic 2 if I can sell it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Seems like everybody kind of has the same opinion about that. That the uh, Mavic 2 is about as good as the Phantom 4. Uh, for so. sure and that's why i'm having difficulty selling it <laughs> oh i bet yeah although i will say how do you like that built-in screen um, oh it's so good um and i can take little photos of me like tough day in the office for instagram so it's good <laughs> for that <laughs> yeah for sure yeah i always hated like i always felt like why don't they just build a screen into this controller like it it made so much more sense than having to hook up a phone or a an yeah. iPad or whatever. And then you'd always have issues with the phone or the iPad. Like I can't tell you how sure. many different iPads and iPhones I had to try to use to get my first Mavic yeah. to work. It was insane. And if your phone's running low on battery, cause you've been using it all day. Yep. It's, it's like, <laughs> wrecked. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, cool. So yeah, we talked a little bit about the cameras that you're using and your approach to, to wedding videography. Uh, I love it, man. It's all, it's all really good stuff. I got a couple selfish questions for you. Um, for so sure. I know that on your test videos, um, you're shooting like a lot of model stuff. And I was wondering yeah. like when you're shooting that stuff and you're just like, Hey, I, cause we had a previous chat before and you said that you were just mostly doing that for fun or whatever, but yeah. you're coming out with some pretty good work. And I'm just wondering, how are you finding your models? How are you paying them? Um, are you paying them or what do they get in return for their time? How, how does all that kind of stuff work? Yeah. So whenever I'm shooting with those like model clips, it's like, I've just got my hands on a new camera. So 
the Panasonic, my friend was like, Hey, do you want to borrow this camera? And I was like, sure. Um, basically I just like DM them or like, it'll be a friend. So whenever I, that, like that page video that you're talking about, me and her are like really good friends now. So whenever I'm back in LA, I'm like, just hit her up. I'm like, yo, I'm here. And she's like, let's, let's shoot. So it's just like super easy with like her in Brisbane. It's like a bit different than America. Cause America, everyone wants to shoot. Cause it's like, no one has like a nine to five. Whereas Brisbane, everyone has nine to five. So it's actually hard to find people with a sketch with like the same schedule. Um, basically it's just like, Hey, this is my work. Do you want to make something the same? Like you can use it for your own promotion. You can post it. You can do anything you want with it. I just want to shoot basically. And they're like, yeah, I want to shoot too. It's like not official at all. And I don't really make money off it. So they're happy just to hang out and shoot, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Uh, what are you doing for audio stuff when you're recording audio? Like, do you have any favorite, uh, tools that you use for that or any uh kind of tricks for, that for weddings using? yeah for weddings or for whatever i i guess mostly for weddings because yeah so um i have like typically three audio sources for everything so i have my h6 which is always like the line out so for example the ceremony i'll plug into the celebrant's pa system just the line out and that's always the cleanest and nicest um <clears throat> i'll also put a a, like a lav mic on the groom and I used to just have like a road lav that went into like a cheap Sony recorder um, that was not wireless or anything it's just like a recorder that it's just like you set it you forget it at the end of the day you don't know you, you can't monitor it or anything but it's normally pretty solid um, but I just bought the Rode Wireless Go so I've replaced that Sony with the Wireless Go so I can actually monitor it on the groom not that you can really stop if anything goes wrong during the ceremony, but it's just good to be, like know it's working. Um, and then I'll always put like just a backup lav mic on the speaker. Um, so that's what I use the Sony for as well now because it's just auto auto levels. I just put it on top of the speaker and dangle down the lav in front of it. It's just a, like obviously not the best. It's like speaker noise, but it's a good backup just to have. And then sometimes put one on the celebrant if they're wearing something that's easy to lav as well. I'll lav them up too um, with a Sony recorder. Um, reception wise, it's a lot simpler. I'll do pretty well the same thing though. So I'll plug into like the DJ or the venue PA system with the H6. I'll all Australian weddings are a bit different to American. I feel like American, they kind of pass a uh, mic around the room a lot, I feel, like I see online a lot. Whereas everyone in Australia has like a lectern or like a mic stand they talk from and they can't really move from it because it's already set up and like locked in. So I'll put a little lav mic on that microphone as like a backup and then I'll also dangle the one from the speaker as well as like a second backup. And that's pretty well it for everything. Oh, man, I'm so jealous of people not moving around on you during, yeah, it's during so good. those toasts and stuff. Um, yeah. Well, recently the wedding I last did actually, they didn't have that. So I set up my Dito as a spotlight and I just went up to the MC and was like, Hey, see the spotlight, make sure everyone stays here. It's on you. Like, and cause the rest of the room was pretty dark. They kind of had to stand in the spotlight anyway. So that was pretty easy, but that's like in the past as well. I've actually like grabbed the, the mic stand from the band, set it up and literally gaff taped the mic on. Like that's what I do often. I'm taped down the microphone so they can't walk around with it. Nice. 
Yeah. He, yeah. Once they start walking around, it's like you need someone on a tripod the whole time. And like if I'm shooting by myself, I'll set up a tripod to record the speaker and I'm roaming getting reactions the whole time. So I'm not checking that thing once it's in focus. Like I'll come back and check it every like two, three minutes, but I'm just like relying on it to st- for them to stay there. Yeah. No, I... Dude, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> oh yeah. man, yeah, it cracks me up when people like the worst is when you got the you get the dad who wants to walk around on oh, you and he'll walk the length of the room and it's just like impossible. That stuff drives yeah. me nuts. But uh, that's I guess that's what B roll is for. You just cover it up. But yeah, uh, yeah, man, I'm just kind of scrolling through some of your shots and stuff, and there's there's just some stuff that's just so good. And uh, if you guys. If you. You, yeah people need to check it out for sure um it, so are you, i assume you're just kind of shooting are you sh- you're shooting raw right so you're just kind of yeah giving yourself really a ton of wedding um so if it's like more of a high-end wedding i'll definitely shoot raw if it's like a bit chill i'll the red has prores um and like depend like some clients pay for like 4k delivery and everything other clients, they don't really mind too much, so I'll just shoot 1080p ProRes on the red, um, which just downscales in camera, and it's just really easy to do and like edit in post production, and it's like 100 gigs at the end of the day. So it, yeah, like it depends on what they pay and what they book, and what their expectations are. Because I custom quote every wedding, like I don't have set packages, so I talk to them, find out what they want, find out what like what they want to spend, find out all of that kind of stuff and then put together something that actually suits their day instead of like being like, here's what I can offer. Pick what you want. Cause they don't really know what they need. Like if they p- picked a one cinematographer package for a 500 person wedding, like I can't cover that by myself. I need other shooters. So I, I don't give them the option. I talk to them. I'm like, you need two shooters. It's going to cost this much and kind of guide them through a package that actually fits their day yeah nice yeah it's a it's a good it's an interesting approach for sure do you uh how, <clears throat> sorry i'm like still getting over like the anesthesia sure. and stuff of my surgery yeah. but uh how are you finding your clients um, um like, obviously word of mouth in this industry is the best um right now i don't have a ton of word of mouth but if you treat clients well and you know, they're happy with everything and how the day ran. They'll definitely recommend you to their friends who are getting married. That's obviously the best way to get bookings um, because they're going to trust their friend over internet 100% of the time um, if they like the film as well. Um, so that's obviously the best. But for me right now, just through Instagram, I've been running quite a bit of Instagram ads um, and that seems to work for me at the moment. Nice. Yeah, I tell people all the time on this podcast, man, like, you just have to do a really good job for your clients. And sometimes that means like doing some stuff that maybe you don't want to do or like spending a little extra time in the edit that you weren't planning on uh, just to make people super happy. And once you for do sure. that, like you're, you now have like a walking billboard person who, 100%. who anytime one of her friends is getting married, she's going to recommend you to that person. Um, a really good way to like build it up at the start and i recently did it like just for fun um they didn't pay for a same day edit but i had like an hour and a half dinner break and i had my laptop with me so i just put together like a one and a half minute no like audio nothing just kind of like a show reel of like some shots from the day 
and the venue had a big projector and I put it up on the projector and they weren't expecting it. There was like 300 guests there who have now seen my work and that I did it on the wedding night. It's like, like the proof is in the pudding. Like they literally saw it then and there. So like that was a good way to get inquiries from that wedding. Um, I know a lot of people, my friend used to literally just do a one minute looper reel and just put it on his laptop in the corner with business cards on every wedding. So that's a really good way at the start to like get everyone at the wedding talking about it. I love it, man. Yeah, just do a really good job and then go the extra mile. I mean, that's really all you yeah. need to do. And Right now, I'm um, like I just said, Instagram really works for me at the moment. So I'm giving every couple a free one-minute Instagram teaser for their wedding within a week of the wedding day. Um, they don't have to pay for it because I can use it for my marketing, makes them happy, all their friends can see it. It's like a win for everyone. So definitely recommend doing that for all your clients too. Awesome. Do you have any tips for like Instagram stuff? Are you doing like full screen video or are you doing like how, how do you do that for people who are just starting out with the just kind of getting into Instagram? And um, all the yeah, all I'm that not really a pro. It. I kind of hack it so it looks good on the feed, but it's still like all my videos are super widescreen because I shoot widescreen on the red and that looks terrible on Instagram and Instagram doesn't let you do that width. So I have to add the black bars on the top and the bottom. Obviously, that doesn't look good for the feed. So at the end of the video, I add just like I take a frame from the video and make just like a square out of it, like a full-size square. I just make that the thumbnail, just scrub to the end of the video, and there's like one frame of like a thumbnail, and then that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. But it's not really what you're meant to do. But like they'll click on it and it'll flash that thumbnail and then it'll go into like a widescreen with black bars video. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when you kind of were, I don't know, for whatever reason, it made me think of this video that you posted where you're like, Hey, make any song like one minute in length. And, yeah. uh, I did not know about that Adobe audition. Uh, oh, yeah. Little it's a hack. Cool hack. Hey. It was awesome. Yeah. Now it doesn't always work. Like some songs, yeah. it just, it just sure. kind of falls apart on you. But when it does yeah. work, it's so awesome. Cause it's like, Oh, that just saved me. Like that just saved yeah. me like 10 or 15, maybe 20 minutes of my time. Uh, yeah. and it just does it in one minute. So if you guys want to figure out how to get any song, well, almost any song to get to like, just set it to one minute or whatever for Instagram or whatever you're doing, uh, check out Sam's, uh, YouTube page for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So what do you, I, what do you have going on in the future? Like, what do you, are you, you th- are you going to shoot weddings forever? Or like, what's kind of like your, maybe give us your five to 10 year plan. Yeah, so I still love shooting weddings. Super awesome. Um, recently, I've started traveling a lot for it. Like, I've done some cool overseas ones and loved it. Like, it's awesome that I get to get paid to travel and shoot some cool weddings. So, I kind of want to try and do more of that and market towards more international, cool overseas weddings. Um, I've got a couple this year that'll be fun. Um, I'll be in the States. I got um, one in Italy again, which will be fun. So I'm going to try and build up more of a portfolio in that sense and try and market more towards that. Obviously, the ultimate goal would just be to plan like a world tour holiday. Like I want to go to England and then I want to go to Paris and just plan like a whole like tour around the world and just be like, I've got two dates in Paris. Here they are. And then just release them and have people book them in. Um, That would be the ultimate goal. That'd be so cool. Uh, But in, in like the short term, like I'm gonna try and put together like some editing courses and stuff like that 
yeah, I don't know. Just kind of see where it goes. Just shoot. Yeah. See where it takes me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from like Call of Duty editor uh, to, <laughs> to international wedding videographer and like swimsuit model videographer. <laughs> oh, I think you were going to say I was the swimsuit model. Oh, yeah. No, I I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't seen you with your shirt off. Maybe maybe you are, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that for everybody else to decide. Um, <laughs> awesome. Who are, do you, are there any other videographers out there that you kind of draw inspiration from or anybody that you're yeah. always following and that for you, sure. you want to give I a mean, shout out to? Yeah. The main, the, like the top dog still Ray Roman in my eyes. Like he's a gun that, and he's kind of why I want to go back to the 24 P it's just like timeless. It's not like a slow-mo fad. It's just like, cinematic movie making like i don't know if you know ray but his yeah stuff I, I i feel like everybody always says yeah i kind of get disappointed when people say it because yeah. i don't it's funny i i know who he is and i've seen some of his stuff but i don't really watch it ever um yeah. i don't know why i don't i'm not really into it and i don't know why um yeah i might just also have a nostalgia kind of feel because when i was starting like his creative life course is like i would literally watch it twice a week study it like it was gospel yeah i think it might be like sometimes i see people that are better than me and it kind of bothers me a little bit it's like (laughs) i don't know if you ever get that where you see like you're almost like a little discouraged i know that's not how like i tell people all the time not to do that to themselves but sometimes i secretly do it so uh but yeah i think it might be a little bit of that but also i he de- well I will say this. I mean it's not entirely his fault why I don't I'm really not into his stuff. I think it's he was such a huge influence on the whole like genre that yeah. he basically set the tone for everybody else. So now when I look back on his stuff I think, "Oh, that's so yeah. cliché." But it's not because he was the one who kind of like or one yeah, of the started it. one of the yeah. people who really hammered it home, you know, so For sure. Um so yeah, my my uh my hate yeah. is misdirected for sure. And <laughs> I mean, it's not there's even a couple. Hate. It's just you know. <laughs> there's a couple of cool, like swaggy Australian brands that I follow too. Um, their style is completely different to mine. Um, their work is like incredible, but I find their work like it's not really my. St- I appreciate it, but it's not really my style. And I, I kind of feel like it will go out of fashion. Um, but it's like incredible. Like I don't know. Have you seen any of Humdrum? films i i haven't but i'll definitely check it out they they um won like all the australian awards it's like really quick cut um fun upbeat not really romantic it's just like more party style video like those quick cuts and stuff like that like i feel like they'll go out of fashion but i can appreciate like the skill like their editor is nuts i'm friends with their editor he's from here in brisbane and he's insane he edits like all the commercial films here um but their work's really cool there's a couple of ones I feel like they're lacking story because it's too quick cut for me to understand the story half the time. But there's a couple of films where they let the story play out and they're the ones I really like of theirs. Um, one in San Francisco, if you can find that one, by Humdrum Films. Really cool. Really good. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out and everybody else listening should check it out too. Uh, what? Are, so what? when you're talking about like we're talking about style right now, but tell me like what do you think – uh, like a more classic style is going to be, you think it's going to be the Ray Roman thing or is yeah, there, is there think, something that you're doing where that you think 
is going to be like, we're going to look back in 20 years and be like, oh yeah, that's like, that's still really good. Like, what are those things to you? I want to like kind of try and move back to like kind of how real films are made and keep it like that style. Like, um, my editing structure is like super simple and super easy to follow. And that's probably also why I edit quickly, but basically everything's in sequence of the day on top of like out of order audio to tell the story. It's basically how I keep it. And I kind of want to keep it that way, but just back to real time instead of slow-mo. Um, I don't know. I feel like quick cuts and all of that, like Sam Calder transitions and all of those kind of things will definitely not be cool in a couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny. I was so late to those transitions, man. I think I used them last year for the first time. But yeah. It didn't take me very well, long to be like, well, dude, maybe like, I don't need I, to in every video. I, yeah. When I used to edit COD, I used to use those transitions. The Sam Calder transition was actually made by a COD editor like in 2011. And I used to use it. His name's Baker's Tuts. Uh, he's actually edited my skate footage on his channel like three times because I'm mates with him. But in 2011, he used to edit COD with that preset. And then when everyone's like asking him, how do I do the same Calder transition? He's like, dude, I used to do that. So if I edited my COD videos the way I edit real life stuff right now, like that's how, basically how Sam Calder and stuff edit. Like the Luma transition phase, all of that is old COD style. So I kind of feel like he used to do it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. Like, and I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's really cool. I got to do that. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay. It won't last forever. Um, but there's like, you look back on like some movies, there's like some movies that you can watch. Like you can watch back to, oh, I don't know if this is too old for you, but like karate kid or back to the future. And like, yeah. it doesn't matter how old those movies get. They're still so good. Um, yeah. and even if the, like the storyline isn't even all that great, like when you really break down the stories, they're not even that great of stories, but it's just one of those things where it's like, just depending on how you shoot things and how you kind of move the story along, like for that sure. stuff can last and be awesome for, for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, I feel like the only thing I kind of want to add to my style is more like, not sound effects, but like real life sounds from the actual day. Like it'd be awesome to just go out one day with a sound recorder and record like the, like the chinking of the glasses and like just random, like say if it's a city waiting, record more street audio and just actually have a proper library to match with the audio. And I probably should use like a road on camera mic a lot more as well to capture stuff like that. But it's just like laughter and like actual sounds from the day would be cool to add in. Cause I feel like that will, add so yeah. much more to the I, to the ambience of the day i started but i started this last uh like a couple months ago i started carrying with me a rode ntg3 with my task yeah, cam awesome. recorder in like a, this giant fanny pack and so it's just on the front of me so then whenever i got a free moment i can just whip it out and record some sound so, so cool. whether that's like birds outside or whether that's the bride and like the bridesmaids laughing or whatever, like you can just yeah. get some of that audio. Hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I mean, eventually you'll just you're dude, you're so talented. You're just gonna get to the point where you have like a foley guy come with you or like some dude that he's just like your sound. <laughs> he's like your. Field but like you doing that, you're gonna build your own library, and eventually you'll just have a full library. And no matter what wedding you're shooting, you're like, oh, I have the sound for that. 
Yeah, I could put this other bride laughing in, and this bride will never know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, as much as that's a joke, that's it, probably it might dead be, serious. Yeah, it might be true for sure. I know I have stolen like applause and like clapping from one wedding yeah. to another. Well, uh, I have like a one eight rip from YouTube that I use in almost every wedding. <laughs> the oh, same nice. applause. Yeah, but no perfect. one's ever picked up on it, so that's fine. That's funny, man. You can get away with some of those things. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. What? Okay. Last thing I want to hit on is just like, what are you doing for like color and stuff? Because I know everybody's talking about like LUTs and you know film convert and all that kind of stuff. I, what's kind of your process with that? Stuff? Yeah. I mean, I have film convert and I have a bunch of LUTs downloaded as well. I have tons of free packs on my channel that have been getting tons of downloads too. They all have like fifty thousand views and. I think they had like over 10,000 downloads on Dropbox between them all. Nice. Um, yeah, I see you've, you've got like a wedding specific one too, wedding yeah, pack. Yeah, that one's been going pretty well. Um, to be honest, man, um, I have like one lot that I really like that I use on almost everything. Um, but I use it at like 20%. Um, when I edit for other people, they use Canon and Canon colors are really good straight out of the camera. And all I do is add a bit of contrast. Because uh, they all shoot in like faithful or like a contrasty profile. Um, if I just have a lot really low just to make the greens nicer and skin tones a bit nicer and then just like a bit of faded film, a bit of sharpening, it's pretty well good to go. Red's really good. Like they have all the raw metadata where you can just like change your white balance and your tint. So I just make things a bit warmer, a bit pinker, fix the exposure, maybe a bit of contrast, a bit of curves. It's like I have a very like minimal color grading um, stance. Like I feel like Canon and all of those different companies paid people to come up with the color science. It's like a $10 lot isn't going to be better than the years and years of research that Canon put into making their color science. Yeah. Oh, man. It's yeah. kind of – yeah. I, I I feel you on that. Um and I, as I'm scrolling through this wedding let pack video, I'm wondering, like, there's part of me that's wondering if since you switched to red and whatever, is that, has that made things in a way easier for you? Yeah. So basically all the raw data, you don't, all you have to worry about is your aperture, your focus, and that's pretty well it. Like your ISO, if it's between 250 and 1250, you can pretty well move it wherever you want and it doesn't really add noise or anything. Um, and yeah, you just fix your white balance. Fix Like I try and get it right in camera, especially if I'm shooting ProRes, you have to. So I like there's one button auto white balance, which is really good, but you can kind of be a bit like have a bit of leeway and you can always fix it really easily. Yeah, I'm one of those people who always just tries to get it perfect in camera just because that's kind of my personality and I don't want to yeah. spend a ton of time in post kind of fixing 100%. every shot. But yeah. yeah, but I can't help but think like, I mean, you can shoot handheld and it looks good. You, you throw it on a glide cam, I assume, and that probably yeah. looks pretty decent. Um, yeah. Especially with the weight of it, it makes it exactly. maybe a yeah, little easier. Yeah, and that's why I'm so buff. <laughs> i i do i yeah i mean you're definitely gonna get that one giant bicep for sure and that was a joke um <laughs> uh okay so yeah 
I'm, man, you, you almost got me thinking like, oh, maybe I'll, well, actually I'm super in love with like the idea of the Ursa, uh, the yeah. Ursa mini pro or whatever. So I probably won't go the red route, but, um, yeah, I am well, su- just one Ursa, two black magic pocket 4k's good to go. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I love those cameras so far. Uh, okay. So before we check out, I, I just want to say thanks again, man, for taking the time to do this. Um, no worries, man. Thanks I've for having been, me. I've been following your channel for a while now, so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to get to talk to you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Where can people find you? Like what are you, tell me all your accounts so that people can hit you up, yeah. send you a message or uh, just <laughs> follow you and, uh, watch all your stuff. I have a pretty obscure last name, so I've managed to secure all of the handles with my real name. Yeah, um, and so just... how how should people pronounce that for, yeah, for us like send... US and everybody else in the world? <laughs> you can just kind of sound it out, just like San Freganese. So it's just F-R-E-G-O-N-E-S-E. Um, and you can just find me on YouTube or Instagram or anything like that with that handle. Perfect. Awesome, man. I, I want to say thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to do this. And uh, we'll have to do a part two because I feel like I could just go on and on and ask you a million more questions. So, for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll so easy just back. to talk in this format. Thanks yeah. for having me again, man. Love it, man. Thank you so much. All right, guys. That was my conversation with Sam Fregonis. Hey, uh, make sure you check him out on Instagram at Sam Fregonis and subscribe to his YouTube channel as well. Uh, Definitely check out what he's doing. I I love his stuff and he's a super, super nice guy. Real genuine guy, really uh, uh, happy to talk about videography. Um, So yeah, if you guys have questions, make sure you hit them up and uh, go ahead and just give him some props for his good work. Until next time. Later.